When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, people? Welcome to Paint Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jade Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Hoopers family. Today, we are going to talk about Andrew Wiggins. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about the Timberwolves because that's why you're all here. The just under, just over, just hovering around 500 Timberwolves uh, joining me is Kyle Tidy, Editor-in-Chief, Site Manager over at Canis Hoopus, friend of the show. Kyle, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? It's late here uh, in the States on Monday, but when you hit me up, I was like, we have to, we have a lot to talk about. So I'm excited to uh, to catch up. Yeah, it is late. Thank you for, for staying up for me. I've just finished work, so it's, it's we're kind of uh, straddling the time zone a little bit here. Um like I said, I want to talk about the Timberwolves and how they're kind of hovering around 500, and it's been that way for a while now. I think it was that way when we spoke last. It was the, about around the tortoise, the tortoise mark of the season, and now we're at the halfway mark or just over the halfway mark, and they're still kind of at the same record, but it feels like a really different team. Uh, so I guess I'll just throw to you straight away. Like, what are your feelings about you know the Timberwolves right now and them being a, a 500 team? I mean, pure joy, right? <laughs> like, um, I've been thinking when you texted me or when you messaged me earlier about those questions, I was just thinking like, uh, and again, it's late, but I, I promise you like I, that I haven't, I'm not on any edibles or anything yet, but like, I was just thinking about how this Timberwolves season and this moment kind of like reflects on like, at least for me, like my life, right? Like I was telling you before we hit record, I'm trying to get like, take a step in my career, buy a house, do all these things and like getting in my feelings on some of it. But it's like, I'm thinking about like, I just want that house. Like I see, I see my other friends. I just want, I want to live in that house and I want to make X amount of dollars. I want to have that job. Right. But like you sometimes focus so much on like those endpoints or like those milestones of the finish line where like you don't like take a step back to enjoy like the grind. Right, like, and now I sound like every meme on Instagram <laughs> that some girl posts. But like, I guess my point of it is, is like, so they're you know they're they're a game below five hundred, but yeah, they lost a really you know shitty game to the Pelicans, or they lost you know a bad game to the Magic early in the season, or they got shellacked by the Hornets. But like, I've really just enjoyed watching this. T- like, this is the closest thing I have to a child. Like watching this team actually grow, and like, I always think back to that Hornets game, right, where they got spanked. And I was like, God damn, same old Timberwolves. And then the next night, they just like, we're, Twitter was ablaze, right? Because they beat the Sixers in overtime. And like that was like the type of thing to me, covering this team now for six plus years. Like, this is the first time we've ever covered a team like that. A team that actually can learn from the mistakes they make and up, improve upon them. So that was just a long-winded, super-in-the-clouds 
answer, but it's just fun to watch a team like they're the, 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 the Timberwolves this season are not a bottom dweller, right? Like they're not the Rockets, the Thunder, the Magic, the Pistons. You don't have to worry about that. I know we've been scarred for like what our lifetimes, but that that's not them anymore. They are like a 500 team. And yeah, you know, they've lost a couple games that you probably penciled in as wins, but even that's that what Warriors 500 game, teams do though. Like, right, exactly. They've, also, exactly. Won, they've two, also won a few games that you had penciled in as losses. And I, th- I think well, the Warriors game is a great example, right? Like that Warriors game was like a, a loss for the last four weeks. And then they, you know, they lose Steph, they lose Draymond, and then it's just an ass kicking the other way. But um, I also think too, I don't know what it is, if it's, you know, American football or soccer or whatever. Like I think 500 is, is like a derogatory term, right? Like if the Timberwolves were to finish the season 500, that's 41 wins. Yeah. That's fucking incredible. <laughs> like, right? Because, like, we're we're not even sure yet that this is, like, the full version of all this stuff, right? Like, we still talk about how young, not only guys like Ant and Jaden are, but even a guy like, like, I think realizing how young Jared Vanderbilt was, like, the wildest storyline for me this year. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure that guy's, like, 27. It's like, oh, he's 22. So it's just, that's... You can hear it. Like, that's how excited I am about a 500 team. And, yeah, that's probably hella depressing if you're a fan of, like, you know, the Suns or the Warriors. But I just think it's been cool to watch this team. It's been a roller coaster, obviously, right? Every time yeah. they win four, they lose four. Um, that's been probably the most stressful. But I just think this is the most this is the most fun team I've ever covered. I've been doing it for six years. This is the most fun team you've ever covered. Right. And I just think that it's the first time that, like, you're watching a team that likes each other be able to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, and it's just a completely different experience than I've ever had. Yeah, it, it, to me it's like relief almost that, like you said, it's been so long and we've been covering the team for a long time, and it's almost relief that they've got that we're this far into the season and it still feels like they are a 500 team and kind of scratching at the at the surface of their potential i mean they've they've been through the covid stuff and kind of coming out of it unscathed you know relatively in terms of wins and losses they've been through d'angelo russell not being able to hit a shot for two months they've been through malik beasley still you know inconsistent with his shooting it's not like this has been this optimized kind of crazy team that that have been i guess like living outside of their means this has been a team that's right. faced ad- 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 adversity and are still a 500 team, which that's what gives me the hope because I think I'm a little bit, the way that you alluded to is that like I do tend to look at that end point and I do tend to to project out and think like I, I'm satisfied, I'm, I'm, I'm relieved, like I said, at being a 500 team, but I guess I'm unsatisfied at the thought that this team can be more than that and, and I want to see them be more than that, but... Like when you look at it and you look at it as a whole and not just kind of um, just the record itself, it, it kind of strikes me as a team that has been through the ringer in a, in a multitude of ways and has come out of it with one win under 500. And, and now, kind of like Chris Finch said the other night, like now it's go time. Uh, I know you had a tweet today, earlier today as well that kind of outlined that as well, that like this team has had all the hard things happen to it that should happen to it. Obviously, injuries withstanding and, and with this franchise, you, you never know what's going to happen with injuries. But, like, the hardest part of the season almost feels like it's behind them. And now it's, like, the 
you know, the rotation feels more settled. Jalen Noel has come from sitting on the pine every night to playing a huge role. You know, Jaden McDaniels is is no longer being experimented with as a starter. He's found his role on the bench and, and thriving kind of as more of a scorer. Uh, D'Lo's hitting shots again and is playing the best he has all season outside of last night against the Warriors. Like, this team kind of feels more settled and feels more primed to be, you know, a 600 team in the final 41 games rather than the 48 winning percentage that they were or something in the, in these first 41. Yeah, and you know, the ba- I I was so amped to just see your face. So, but the back half of that weird ass Instagram analogy that I, you know, enjoy the the grind or whatever is that um I I you know, I like watching this team like lose to the Pelicans and then like figure it out against the Grizzlies. Now, they choked that Grizzlies game away, but then like for them to just kind of shake it off and come back and just kick the Warriors' ass, right? Because I've seen the – I've we've seen it, right? Everyone listening to this. We've seen the Timberwolves even without Steph and, you know, in the past, maybe there's no clay and, like, they still lose that game. I've seen that so many times. And I guess my – if nothing else, and maybe it's just to me and five other listeners, but, like, I just – sometimes when you tweet or write or, you know, record and say positive things about the Timberwolves, everyone's just like – there's that segment of fan that's like, you know, wake me up when – when they're in the playoffs or wake me up when they're the sixth seed. Uh, and I think that's a really like, I don't want to just close my eyes and wake up and they're the sixth seed against the jazz in April. Right. Because they're going to be down two Oh, when they get back to target center. Like I don't, yeah. I enjoy the, this grind of watching like when ant played like shit against the Pelicans and then he came out in Memphis and was just possessed for that first half. And again, that was a, that's a bad loss. They should have, close that one out but like to see a kid who's 20 figure it out and be like I can't play like that like I can't not show up and try to go for the kill early in the game um that's the type of shit that I like so I'll quit the weird analogies but it's like I don't just want the house right like I don't just want to wake up one day in the four bedroom house like I enjoy this Timberwolves like grind of moving the shit in right and like figuring out where I'm going to put my toothbrush and like making the bed like that this season has been like and I talk to Dane about this all the time, but like we're actually just talking about basketball. Like you and I record, yeah, I think yeah. I've done a podcast every January for the last five years. And at some point it's like, hey, what, you know, how many second rounders are you willing to give up on January 17th? I don't give a fuck about that right now. Like I'm, I'm ready to watch them like, I mean, they should, they have an easy stretch of basketball games coming up against the Knicks, the Hawks and the Brooklyn Nets without KD. Like those are all really winnable games. Um, I'm excited to just keep talking about basketball. I'm excited to read you just nerd the hell out, <laughs> writing 4,000 words on Malik Beasley and fixing Malik Beasley, by the way. Thank you. So, <laughs> you know what I mean, though? That's like, we're just like, we're a no- If you hear the energy, it's like, we're a normal basketball team. This is what so many franchises go through year in and year out, where they're just 500, three games above, three games back, like, figuring out what playoff seed they're going to be. We've never been that, as long as you and I have covered the team. And I think it's just really exciting, even though, yeah, They've left a couple games on the table, but I also think too that we we like traumatize those losses. Like I can't believe we lo- choked against Memphis earlier in the season. But it's like, yeah, I also can't believe they kicked the shit out of the Bucks in the beginning of the season. Like that was like a not supposed to win that game. So I think they're gonna. I think the Timberwolves for the last what thirty nine games, forty games, every night they can win that game. Like I don't think there's a single game on the calendar, and you and I have studied that shit 
as much as anyone. Like, I don't think there's a game on the calendar they, they shouldn't lose. And I think – or that they, they can't at least win, have a chance to win. You know what I mean? So it's I just think it's an exciting time because, I mean, think of when you used to write for us at Canis or something. Like, we were just deep into, all right, who's going to break down which prospect? Yeah, like this, is draft, this is draft season normally for me. This is right. Not, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like playoff seeding season. This is draft season. Like, in all due respect to like my guy Tyler Metcalf, like I, I don't want to hear a ki- a college kid's name for like at least six <laughs> more weeks, right? Until I fill up my bracket. So no, that that and again, there's there's still some holes, right? Like I'm excited. Where I think we're both kind of bullish on this team specifically, um, but they also still have a. I think the fact that they've been fun and they've won more games again, they're projected to blow out that Las Vegas, you know, win project or prediction of thirty five and a half wins. Um, but they still have a lot to do. They still have a lot to prove. Um, and now instead of just the playing game, like the playing game should not be on the whiteboard anymore. Do you yeah. agree? Like that that yeah. should not be the goal. Like your goal now should be to elevate yourself to not even be in the playing game. The, well, the sixth seed is what is, this team should be hunting for. The playing game is like, like you said, less than an expectation right now because for them to fall out of the playing kind of bracket, they would have to have a dramatic collapse. For them to end up below Sacramento or Portland or San Antonio, whoever it ends up being, like they'd have to lose, you know, maybe ten more games than they win over the next thirty-nine or whatever game is In, le- games is like. Le- like that is that can't happen. And, and it and can, listen, but it can't. But we and we listen because there's people listening, and I'm listening, and you're like, <laughs> we know it's the Timberwolves, right? But like, it's not just the fact that the Timberwolves have this checkered history of like collapses or being bad. Like, you got to look at like who are those teams outside the playing game, right? They're probably going to shut down Dame at some point, and that Blazers team is just going to c- cater or crater. Like the Kings, the Pelicans, the Thunder. Like, there's no one coming. Yeah, for, you know what I mean. Like they're, I think they're four games clear right now of the of the eleven seed, and like it's only going to balloon to seven or eight. It really is. And so four games. I think it's easy to like look at four games and think like that's only four games, but like that's four games that you lose and one of them other yeah. teams win. Like, like yeah. I can't imagine Sacramento winning, say, six of eight games, and the Wolves losing six of eight games. Like, right? The and I'm not. I don't want to count, count my chickens before they hatch because Lord knows. The Timberwolves can, you know, smash those eggs into pieces at any time. But, like, it feels... I know you've said this a million times, and we've probably said this on this podcast a million times. Like, it feels like a disservice to the team to, like, lump the Timberwolves franchise history onto them yeah, yeah. As, as the reason why they're not going to succeed this season. And by succeed, I mean, you know, be in the play-in play bracket. Like, it's... Carl Anthony Towns, or let's say Anthony Edwards wasn't here you know, when the Timberwolves were winning 18 games. Like, he wasn't here when Kevin Love wanted to leave. He wasn't here when Jimmy Butler threw a tantrum. Like, none of this matters to this roster because this roster is full of guys who have played one or two seasons max with the team outside of Towns and, and maybe just, you know, Russell and Josh Cody. Like, the, the franchise's history doesn't matter to this team. What matters is what they've done every night for the last three, four months, and that is give themselves a chance to win every night like you said and and that's as much as much as you can you can you know stare at the trash that is the the Memphis collapse or the Charlotte loss or the Pelicans loss the other night 
Like, you have to also look up and see the trophies, which is Milwaukee and the Sixers and Miami, uh, and, and that kind of gives you a baseline that you have to be in between those two highs, like the high and the low, and that is what this team is, is a team that's going to hit highs, going to have lows, but ultimately if they can kind of put themselves in the race with 10 games left. They've got a pretty decent schedule in the last you know month or, or three weeks. Um, if they can give themselves a chance to, to be hanging in there with Denver or with, with the Lakers, like this team can make a run of that sixth seed. And even then, I'd almost, I'd be pretty surprised if they were out of the plane. But like you said, the expectation now is to get out of the plane, to get up into the actual playoffs. And like this team, they've shown when they're healthy, if they can stay healthy, that that should be the expectation. Yeah, I mean, the Timberwolves franchise is a toxic relationship that you, me, and everyone else listening to this has been in forever. Um, and my biggest point is, is that I think this Timberwolves team, just like you said, right? Like Ant didn't draft Steph or Ant didn't pass on Steph Curry. There's nothing to do with Ant. Yeah, like yeah. Ant, Ant, you know, Ant wasn't friends with David Kahn. Like this, this, this Nobody is a was. new. This yeah, David Kahn wasn't friends with himself. Like this, this is a new franchise this season. This is a new team. Like there is some of that new ownership energy that you know Chris Finch isn't. I guess technically a new a first year head coach, but I don't think he if he has he coached eighty two games yet. I think maybe we're coming up on that. Um, so he's you know what I mean. Like there's just this new energy where it's like yes, you might have a history of checkered and toxic relationships, but like don't take it out on this man or woman that you're with like this is yeah. this is new this is enjoy, like enjoy it i just i i really do want to push back on like the people that are well prove it to me in the playoffs or type thing it's like the timberwolves are going to make the playoffs it, i mean i don't think we're jinxing or anything like they're going to make the playoffs at some form I, i'm you know usually the optimistic one or like the one puffing smoke like i'm the one saying like you got to hunt the six seed now like fuck the plan like you got to elevate yourself out of above that line on the standings that you don't even have to worry about those games but at some point they're going to make the playoffs and then they're going to be with all those other cool fun teams because you and i watch the playoffs every year even when the timberwolves are out of it and then half those teams every round are going to get kicked out right yeah so like don't just be like let me just prove it in the playoffs because you and a whole other bunch of teams like the nuggets and all the other teams are going to get bounced in the first round anyway so they're not going to win a playoff series like but they're not going to Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, enjoy this awkward, like, teenager who's, like, a junior in high school that's, like, making less mistakes and, like, learning from the mistakes they are. So I, that's why I'm excited about it. And I think, too, when you when you talk about the plan, right, um, right now it's just that – it's that kind of huddle of teams. It's the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Wolves, and then, like, the Kings maybe. All those teams have huge – issues <laughs> yeah. the lakers yeah. issues would take nine podcasts but like we don't know if the clippers are going to get paul george or Kawhi back you have to you have to outrun that team now like you just have too many stallions to not finish above the clippers um i think i saw the kings lost like halliburton to the COVID, like to covid it's like yeah. he's out for a while the and lakers are by houston last night as well so like, they, like if we're talking about franchises who you know, uh, prone to shitting the bed. Like Sacramento is right there with Minnesota. Like if you if that's the team you're racing there, and you're and you're scared that the the Timberwolves curse is gonna kind of you know stop them from from staying in that playing category. Like the Kings have a curse too, maybe an even worse one. 
I was going to say, dude, there is a really – I think it's the King's Herald. There's a really good group of uh, yeah. guys and girls who cover the Kings. And uh, I'm, I kind of interact with one of them on Twitter. And he was like – today he quote tweeted something. I said, I was like, we're so jealous of you. Like, <laughs> I'm so happy for my friends in Minnesota. And just think of that, right? Like, what? What the fuck are yeah. you talking about? Like, the Kings fans would kill to be the Timberwolves even. So, um, yeah, I just – I I think if we want to try to pivot this into whatever direction you want to go now – um. I think, you know, after a day off today, the the Wolves fell from 7th to 8th. There was just that 7, 8, 9 is all kind of yeah. tied the together. Beat, with, the Clippers beat Indiana, and that's what kind of pushed, them, pushed the Wolves down a spot. But I just, you know, the, the, the top couple teams in the West are obviously untouchable. The, the Suns, the Warriors, and Utah are just even – there was some news today about Draymond might have like a like a disc issue, so you could see them kind of falter a little bit. But they're so ahead of the rest of the pack that doesn't matter, but – Memphis is probably untouchable too. That team is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Very I mean that cool. Dal- Dallas at five, uh, Denver at six. The Wolves are only like three and a half games back, two and a half, one and a half games back of those spots. So, and the the Nuggets aren't really getting any re- reinforcements back. You know what I mean? Like, I just think whether it we talk about trades or we talk about just kind of galvanizing as a unit more um, and having most of their guys past COVID, uh, I just think this team. The expectation has been raised, and this team, just like you said, and like Chris Finch said, the time to go is now. Let's not wait till after the All-Star break. Let's not wait till Sasha maybe makes a trade or maybe doesn't make a trade. We got to beat the Knicks, and then we got to, you know, we got to beat the Hawks, and then we got to yeah. beat the Nets. So, um, yeah, this is the most fun I've had. And like I said, I think it was a year ago, I could go back and look, like, when the Wolves lost to the Lakers and Clippers by, like, 80 combined in middle of January, and it's like, dude, what the hell do we talk about? <laughs> like what what do we talk about there's not like Last we talk about hell man like nasri like i don't i don't really know so i mean are, uh, you, are you are you that give me a quick 30 seconds are you that excited i mean just does it feel refreshing to just like cover an average basketball team yeah sad, I, that I know that i'm excited because as you know like i'm certainly not opposed to pessimism like i will be pessimistic if the <laughs> if the team kind of you know warrants warrants it but the reason i know that i'm excited or at least kind of you know engaged in this season is that those lot these losses the quote unquote bad losses don't really annoy me like the pelicans loss didn't really annoy me the loss to memphis like it's annoying to watch at the time but it's not one of them ones that sticks with you for days or it's not one of them ones that kind of make you think all right well the season's over now like this team's gonna fall apart and we've seen it happen before, and I've had hundreds of losses like that probably over the last six seasons where it's like, well, you know, the first 20 games were fun, but they've just been blown out, like you said, by 40 points back-to-back nights. Like, all right, put a fucking nail in that coffin and and move on because, you know, and look at, look at the draft or look at what can happen next season or where we're growing into. Whereas this season, it just feels like, all right, well, they lost. They'll probably win next game. Like, oh, they'll probably lose two in a row and then they'll beat someone. They'll probably beat one of Atlanta or New York in that back-to-back and everything will feel better again. Like, that's where I'm at. And that's, obviously, you want it to be better than that. You want this team, you want to feel like the team's going to rattle off eight wins in a row at any point. And I don't feel that confident about the Timbers. I don't feel, you know, necessarily confident that they're just going to waltz into that sixth seed now that they're all healthy and whatnot. But... I feel like any game, as I've said and you've said multiple times already, is winnable. And to me, that makes the losses 
stomachable. They don't yeah, feel dude, like it's... sky is falling losses. They just feel like a loss because fucking teams lose sometimes and the Wolves will probably get one back in the next week or get two back in the next week. Like, I think at some point all Timberwolves fans need to have a group get together and have a psychologist in the room. But, like, <laughs> the simple fact that people are mad think about this like the simple fact that wolves fans are mad that they lost to the pelicans is fucking awesome because you expected to beat the pelicans you know what i mean like under no circumstances in the last five or six years did you ever think like you know what i mean like there weren't just okay steph's out andre runs out we should kill the warriors and then like fast forward three hours it's like oh yeah they like we didn't even play our our, starters in the fourth quarter comes with like feeling like you are supporting a decent team or a good team is that every game becomes a little bit more frustrating in the game. Every yeah, game yeah. feels like it has more to play for. I remember that that Jimmy year, like, that's as frustrated as I've ever been watching the team. And not because they weren't a fun team to watch, because most of the time they weren't. Like, the everything around, the vibes around the franchise were just, like, in the shitter. But... Like it just want thinking or feeling that your favorite team can win on every night makes it a little bit harder during the game to stomach a loss. But yeah, yeah, that's it. Right. Also makes it easier the next day because, like I said, you feel like the wins are going to come. It doesn't feel like one fifteen point loss is going to lead to you know seven fifteen point losses in the next nine games. It, right. it just feels like this team will lose games. They'll probably lose at least one of this back to back you know, to New York and Atlanta. Road, road, back-to-backs are notoriously hard to, to sweep. Um, and they probably still lose to to the Brooklyn Nets, even Sands KD. Like, they still have... I think it's at, in Minnesota, isn't it? So they'll have they'll have Kyrie. Yeah. Um, but then they'll probably beat, you know, three teams in the next four games, you know, the week after that, because that's the kind of team they are. Like you said, it's just going to be a roller coaster and they're going to beat bad teams. They're going to beat good teams. They're going to lose to some bad teams. And they're going to lose to some good teams, but it always feels like the next win is around the corner. And now that you have that little bit of cushion in the play-in, it doesn't feel like a loss is kind of like, you know, skies falling into the and, world. So I'm and on enjoying, top of, that's what I'm enjoying the most, I think. And on top of all that, which is all accurate. Um, and I, some people hate this, but like, it's also like sustainable. Yeah, for like well, the first like time. The, like I said at the start, I don't think that they've like exceeded expectations relative to like all the obstacles that they've faced so far this season. If if you told me that that Towns, Edwards, Russell had all missed five plus games with COVID, Russell's missed another maybe four or five with little niggles. Patrick Beverly comes in instantly as the metronome, beating heart, fucking awesome guy for this team, and he's missed what five maybe eight games or something. Um, Jalen Noel has, you know, gone from not on the in the rotation at all to in the rotation. They've had no kind of bench scoring. Jade McDaniels has not belly flopped, but kind of, you know, some of the shine has come off him relative to the offseason and what we thought he could be. Like, if you told me all those things that happened and then you told me that they were a 500 team and that all of those problems are in the past... I'd be really, really happy. Like if you're just looking at it from a bird's eye view. Yeah, and I, yeah, exactly. And I and I want to like add on that. It's just like that Tibbs year, right? Because that's what people, a segment of people, want to reference when they talk about well, that team was pretty good, right? But that team was like the closest thing to like prostitution, right? <laughs> like it was just like 
There were no feelings involved. It was just really just grind out to get a playoff spot. I mean, literally game 82, like I think sometimes, I mean, I know there was injuries, right? That season too, but like, let's, it's like the Timberwolves were just rocking into the playoffs as a three seed. Like, yeah, they made the playoffs as an eight seed, but everyone hated each other. As you said, like there was just, and then, felt like yeah, it was just a house always. of a, literally a house of cards. Like it was just had no foundation. And with this, and again, this was the point that I know some people scoff at, but like this team came into the season I think it was the third or fourth youngest average roster in the league. And again, that's more focused on certain people, right? Like Carl and D'Lo are on max contracts. Like, yeah, they're not young anymore by any means, but, you know. Yeah, but everyone I, else is. Like, that's the have, thing. Except for but, Pat Bev. Like, everyone else around. Like, I guess I get that you two max guys are quote-unquote veterans. Probably not even quote-unquote. Just straight up 25, 26, 27-year-old dudes. Like... And then you've got Pat Bev, who's a massive part of the team. He's obviously 33. But, like, it's still relevant or kind of, you know, needs to be said that everyone else in the rotation is young. And it's and young players aren't often very good at winning games. Like, even when you're Anthony Edwards and you're this dynamic young star, like, those guys usually don't win basketball games. So I think it's relevant in the... In the like, you, I think it always has to come with the caveat that that Towns and Russell are older and they're the kind of two main pieces. But I think it's like, you can say that this team is very young and not be like a, a cop out, you know, or a, a kind of a, a deception because of those two max guys. I think it does make sense to use that as kind of a boon for, for what this team's doing. Right. And I, I, I don't think, again, I'm the guy here like preaching, like, Hey, go for the six seed, like stop worrying about one playoff game, try to get five. Um, but I think that the – I just find it ironic that people – some people scoff at like when you say like the Timberwolves are young. I mean Towns and Russell are still like 25, 26, still also young. But people are like, well, they've been in the league for so long. They have max contracts. But then some of those same fucking people tell me that Andrew Wiggins, who has gotten so much better, is just entering his prime. So it's like the same shit for Carl and for D'Lo, right? Like they're yeah. just entering their prime. So yeah, I just think it's sustainable in the sense of – I mean, the questions we all asked in September were like, I mean, because I, you know, I was at media day and I, I hit you up soon after and we did a pod and everyone's message was kind of like they had this chip on their shoulder because they're all playing for something. D'Lo and Cat are like or you know, contract extension eligible this summer. Um, you got other guys on the team that like it's a contract year for them. Pat Bev, um, Chris Finch, like was what he did last spring real or not? So I just think you're like, cheering for a team that yeah they're 500 but i I just don't think there's like this trap door anymore you know what i mean like it's just the bottom's not gonna fall out an open ceiling and a sturdy floor yeah and and the jimmy year was the opposite the ceiling they they virtually hit that ceiling like it was like this team could probably be a four seed if jimmy doesn't get injured they're not going to win the championship jimmy's got i think one year left after that year on his contract even you know if he didn't kind of throw the the dummy out of the pram. Um like but there was that obvious trapdoor underneath them where like bubbling underneath it is if Jimmy yeah. leaves, which he did, things are gonna fucking fall apart. Or if, you know, Towns leaves because he doesn't want to deal with Jimmy and Tibbs, things are gonna fall apart. And lo and behold, they did. This one feels like they're kind of at the ground floor. 
and the ground floor right now feels like, you know, maybe a 10th seed, maybe a ninth, maybe an 8th, maybe a 7th. Like, that's the ground floor. I- I'm really wanting them to obviously get in the playoffs, not just because we're fans of the team, but I really feel like they can become like a playoff mainstay. I don't, they're, ne- they're not going to win a championship with this roster. Like, we, I think we, it's not kind of, you know, being pessimistic to, to say that, but like, I think they can be a team that's like sixth, fifth, you know, fourth in a good year every year, but they just need to like break through that fucking blockade that is like mental. That That is the one bit where I do associate kind of the franchise with the team where it's like, I think they all kind of feel the weight of like, we just need to get to the playoffs. I think once that weight is gone and they bring everyone back next season and it's like, you know, a few maybe, maybe minor tweaks or maybe even a major tweak, but you have that same... Edwards Towns, Russell Core, you know, Vanderbilt there as well. Like, then it feels like if they can, yeah, get through that blockade, they can start getting there every single year. And that's when you can start really adding pieces to try and make it a championship contender or like a second, you know, Western Conference Finals kind of contender. But like this year, I just so badly want them to to break through that mental, you know, yeah, blockade and get to a playoff spot and that'll make them feel like they are legit. They can, they've, they've gone up a floor to the, you know, the first floor rather than just the lobby. And to be honest with you, like, if you want to start talking about, like, I know we wrote this down as an agenda item. Like if you want to talk about this team's overachieving or underachieving, I'm actually like as bullish as I am, as excited as I am. And you and I are using building house analogies and we're just (laughs) hot of our minds. Like a lot of guys have been disappointing to me. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And that's like the crazy thing too is like to be like at 500 and to like last night be in the seven seed. And now I'm like, you'll push for like, you know, forget the plan. Like go get yourself a real playoff series. Um, there's still like, I've, I mean, Anthony Edwards is our child, but like I've been more like a little down on him in terms of like that he hasn't had that sophomore leap that I think a lot of people thought, you know, that second year leap. Um, I think it's going to, and I think you kind of maybe fed this to me earlier in the season, but like it might be more of that like John Morant type leap, right? Where it's like, if you look at Morant's first three years in the league, it was like 17 a game, year one, 19 a game, and now up to like 25 a game. Um, But to spiral that back into this conversation, it's like, they're going to make the playoffs. They might make the 60. Maybe they're in the play-in. Like maybe they have a couple, you know, however many playoff games they get. And, and maybe they even... win the play-in. That's what I think we kind of assume that, like, if they make the play-in, they'll just get like wiped in two games or something. But like, as we've been saying, they can beat any team on any night. I, I would feel relatively confident that they could beat like the Clippers twice. You know, Dude, Patrick Clippers... Pat, Patrick Beverly would Patrick Beverly would commit a felony <laughs> if the Clippers were even close to like knocking out the Wolves in in the playing game. But you know what I mean, though. Like, it, it goes back to that sustainability model of they're like figuring things out and we know that this coach is different than the last coach right because everyone likes him (laughs) and we haven't even seen the guys that were like considering to be that next wave of serious foundational talent like ant and Jaden. they haven't taken the leap that i think we both thought they were now i'm not saying ant's been bad but just and hasn't taken that you know everyone refers to in the nba as that second year leap that sophomore leap i think it's going to come but even Jaden, like Jaden's been so hit or miss i don't think I don't think it's fool's gold. I think he will grow into himself too, but it's just, it's, it's fun to watch them just scrap and claw some of these other games that they do add into the win column while they're still not, like you said, 
there we haven't even seen the best version of like whatever the hell this flower is going to look like um and i think that's what's exciting is that we expect them to beat the knicks we expect them to beat the hawks or you know at least win one of those but we also expect them to keep doing this going forward this season and for you know as fucked up as it sounds for a Timberwolves fan but we expect them to keep doing this for years to come yeah the that's the beauty of having Anthony Edwards, and I don't want to linger on this too long because we we need to get to break and we have other things to talk about, and we talk about Anthony Edwards for hours every time we speak. But like the beauty of having Anthony Edwards is that, like he is the epitome of sustainability for this team because, like, while Towns and Russell are kind of working to repair their reputation and and lead a team to the playoffs, Anthony Edwards is kind of just like bubbling under the surface, ready to fucking explode like a volcano at any minute and just kind of take the reins off both of those guys and be like, you know, you take the back seat now. Like, if they get into the sixth seed this season, like, Towns and Russell have probably repaired their reputation or at least, you know, patched it up somewhat. And then Anthony Edwards can can take that third-year leap or the fourth-year leap or just keep growing kind of incrementally i mean he's definitely better this season than he was last season um right yeah yeah and his impact on winning is like you look at any kind of metric which don't tell the whole story but like it is night and day difference you know he's he's now a huge plus on offense rather than last season he was kind of like neutral maybe a 0.0 in winning metrics because he had that terrible start and the hot finish and he's a plus now defensively as well so like Anthony Edwards now helps your team win games. The on-off numbers as well are, are still bonkers for him. Like, I don't think he did that last season. I don't think he's like gone supernova yet, which we all kind of expect. But like you said, like Jar Morant went supernova in his third season. Uh, plenty of other guys have kind of you know it takes a little bit longer for them to like go from. Because right now, I think he's like I think he's genuinely like a star level player. Like he's a top fifty player. Um, I don't know if that's overrating him, but that's, I think, going from really good prospect to, like, borderline or or fledgling star is a much easier step to take than going from star to superstar, like, to top 15, 20 guy. And, like, that's the the leap that you're waiting for Anthony Edwards to take. And the one that he might not take because a lot of guys get to that top 40 player and never get to a top 15 player. But... If he gets, like, if you're talking about that, you know, I've said this podcast that I don't think the Timberwolves are, like, have, like, a championship ceiling or anything. Like, Anthony Edwards becoming a top 12, 9, 8 guy, then the Timberwolves have a, have a championship ceiling because you need one of those guys. to, and, and you have Towns, who's probably, you know, top 25 at worst player as well. Yeah, I mean, like, if Anthony Edwards was an air mattress... Like we got this new air, we got this new air mattress in year one. We're like, fuck yeah! Like I don't have to sleep on the ground anymore. This is bananas, right? And then he was inflated to 60 percent. I'm not down on anti by any means. I just, you know, you want him at hundred percent. Yeah, I think in September or October we thought like, okay, that air mattress is going to go up and be like ninety percent filled, or you know, yeah. or eighty five percent filled. Where I think, and you're you see the game through a much more statistical and smarter lens than I do. But, like, I just think that air mattress is probably still at, like, 70%, which is, you know, again, comfortable, much better than sleeping on the floor, right? It's much better than hanging out with James Wiseman. But there's still 30% more to, like, really make that a full air mattress. 
Yeah. And that's where that, – that's like the – if you want to be negative, like he hasn't maybe taken the leap we thought. But if you want to be you know positive or optimistic, it's like there's still so much room to grow. And as you said, he's impacting winning now. So that's the difference. It's like, you know, the, the air mattress is strong enough to support people. Um, yeah. And that's well, what's if exciting. You wanna, if you want to kind of circle it back to that Ja Morant comparison, which I think is a good one, not in terms of, you know, the way they play, which is not like... No, no nothing it's like not that. It's not a just, crazy difference, but like just in terms of like growth as a as a highly rated prospect, like Edwards last season was young. Even when he was playing really well, he was just like this kid in the playground discovering that he's really fucking good at basketball. Mm-hmm. This season, it's like 50-50. Sometimes, you know, you can see that he gets disengaged or he does things that are kind of, you know, out of the out of the blue that maybe he shouldn't. And there's, there's still that youthfulness that we saw last season. But then half the time, it's like, this dude is just a straight-up, like, seasoned fucking killer. Yeah. And, like, Ja Morant, you know, in his third year... If you watched and you've never watched basketball before in your life, you'd think that this dude had been a star for 10 years, Morant. Yeah. Like, there's no more youth left in his game, aside from the fact that he can put his head through a building roof. But, like, right. there's no there's no young player making silly mistakes that only young players make. It's just the guy who's figured everything out. And, like, maybe it's next season, maybe it's the end of this season, maybe it's in his fourth season, but, like, Anthony Edwards eventually is going to have that youthful kind of mistake-prone identity drain away from his game. And when that happens, and it's just all the raw talent kind of like meshing together with the the super athleticism and everything that he has in his bag, like that's when we're going to get Supernova Ant, and that's when the Timberwolves are going to hit their, their actual ceiling. John Morant entered the league at the same age that Ant is now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I forget Dude. how young he is as well. Even for a prospect, he's really young. Like he like turned 20. 24 and a half months ago. You know what I mean? And again, yeah. Jaw ja is on another planet. I'm, I think we both agree with that and everyone listening. But I'm, you know what I mean? Just trying to put some context on like Jaw entered the league at like how old Ant is now. And look yeah. what Ant's doing. So, All right. Let's, let's take a break quickly for some ads and then we'll come back and we'll keep talking about the 500 Wolves. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back. Uh, let's hit on one more segment before we get out of here. I know I've kept you up late and we've kind of, you know, knocked a few things out that we wanted to talk about. But the last one relative to all of this is like how much does this, how much or what does this team need to upgrade? Like not what, because we know they need a bid. We know they probably need like another shooter or shot creator somewhere coming off the bench or, or even, you know, a, a, another starter to take, I guess, Vanderbilt's role to play next to Towns, Miles Turner, all that crap. Like, we know that it's been discussed to the hills for for the whole season. But 
how much do you think they need to upgrade? Like, do they need to push all of the chips into the table? Do they need to just kind of, you know, raise on the on the flop? Do they need to just call? Like, what does Sachin Gupta need need to do to make this team the sixth seed or to get to where they want to be this season? Or are they happy just kind of playing it by ear and letting this grow naturally, you think, and, and kind of build from the ground up? That's phenomenal poker analogy like i just want to cut it right there it's probably Uh, better than any game of poker i've actually ever played (laughs) i i think i've gone back and forth on this but i still have personal beliefs and like a personal mission statement and i just get nervous like i want to see i think the west is wide open but i also think the western conference like you know it's hard to predict anything five years from now right otherwise we'd all be billionaires but I think the Western Conference is going to stay open a little like I think we're going to see the Western Conference be down a little bit. And my the reason I kind of say all that is like I'm not in favor of like the push all the chips into the middle thing. Right. Like I don't think we're at a stage at as much as I preach sustainability and fun and they have the coach and stuff. I don't think you can like do multiple first round picks type thing. Um like, like, for example, let's just throw it out because this has been the one of the week. Like, I'm not going to give up two first-round picks for Miles Turner. Like, that's a me no. thing. Um, because I just don't think that moves the needle enough. And I also think, too, as much fucking positivity as I've brought to this, like, D'Angelo Russell's up for a contract extension this summer. Conley Towns is, too. Like... Ant's going to be up for one, I think, in a year. Like, Jay, And no like, one's ever guaranteed, as, even if this season is going well, like, Towns, I guess I'm talking about specifically, like, there's no guarantee that he doesn't just want to do something else with his career. Right, aside right. Aside from try and build this, you know, never-ending kind of tower in Minnesota. Like, maybe he just wants to go in free agency to fucking Boston and, you know, win 60 games. Or maybe he wants to go to LA and be... Anthony Davis's replacement or LeBron's replacement. Like, maybe... And that wouldn't surprise me at all because he's been through the ringer in Minnesota. So, like, that's that's always kind of lurking in the background, I think. Yeah, and I think... And I think you agree. I think all of those are long shots. I th- yeah. think, when at least when it comes to Carl, I think he does want to stay here. I, but I, what I'm... And what you're saying is, too, is, like, I just... I don't think a small market team can, like sniff some positivity and success and then just cut the line right like just sprint to the front like well shit we're the jazz now like no you're not <laughs> like because this summer too like you gotta or next summer at least like you gotta start figuring out like what are you gonna do with nas are you gonna pay nas are you gonna pay Jalen? like there's a lot of guys that their contracts start to come up and if you start to lose some of those guys you still need to be able to like i know we've preached and i've said it they're the third or fourth youngest roster in the league and all that stuff but like you said a year later, some of those guys' contracts melt away and you're left with nothing. Like, I'm still, without throwing it back to the first segment, like, I'm still very pro, like, D'Angelo Russell. I got to get rid of Andrew Wiggins. But, man, it hurts me to watch Jonathan Kaminga because, yeah. like, he's going to be awesome. He's probably the best player the Warriors got in that trade. <laughs> like, I'm just like, he, he has such untapped potential that, yeah, it might take him three years and the Wolves are in a new window now where they're actually – winning games and stuff, but I just don't think you can trade multiple strong assets for something that's not a guarantee. And I don't think Miles Turner is a guarantee. 
But to answer your other question, like, they got to do something. Yeah. So they cannot... So, just sorry. So, like, if... Just say at the end of this season or the end of next season, if you lock up Tarnthony... If they decide that Tarnthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards are their tour three that they're willing to pay max money to again, like, is that is that when you think they should push all the chips onto the table? Like, or is it a thing that you just never feel comfortable kind of draining yourself of, of you know, draft assets from multiple years in a row? This is probably an unpopular take, but I'm, like, in sports, when we just talked about, right, like, 16 firm teams are going to make the playoffs. And then w- one roster of 14 guys is going to win it. And everyone else is going to be really fucking bummed. Um, like the Suns have no promise of hitting that milestone again that they made the finals last year. Yeah. So to me, I'm like never a fan of the all-in model because like look, think about the Warriors, right? The Warriors all-in move is like the Kaminga, Wiseman, Wiggins trade. Yeah. Those three guys pretty much get them anyone. Yeah. And I think they're trying – and, you know, there's a counter to this. So it's like don't straddle the line, but – I think I, I, I think I do fall on that side of the argument. With the Warrior, with the Wolves, I'm with you. I think if you're already no, that, a really good team with a generational talent, that's when yep. you can push the chips into the table. That's why the Drew Holiday move with four first-round picks will never be a bad move because they've just won the championship and Drew Holiday was – a massive part of it because they have Giannis. The Wolves don't have Giannis and they don't have Steph, and that's why. And that's a good it point. Scares me. That's a good. Like, that's a good point. To, and like you said, I think crazy. that goes back to like as many good fucking things that we have going on right now. There's still. I mean, I don't even think we're going to get into some of the stuff I want to talk about. Like, <laughs> who who is who is offering Carl and D'Lo a contract extension this summer? Is yeah. it Sasha and Gupta? Yeah, is it Mar- is it is it Marquise Watts? Because <laughs> well, that guy's going to have plays into all of this. Like how much they upgrade. Like my completely unsourced, just you know, intuition kind of call is that Sachin Gupta needs to do something because I don't think that inexperienced owners who, frankly, don't know very much about actual on court basketball, which I think we can all agree on. Like, they want, they're entrepreneurs, they're flashy, they're, you know, new age, rich dudes. Like, they want to be the best and they want to be the best now. And I'm not sure a guy auditioning, you know, a year-long audition for his job will be able to get that job if he just does nothing and the Timberwolves come ninth. Like, I don't think he needs to go crazy, but I think... He needs to show just, like, one thing that you can go and get. This is the one I used in my article the other day, and probably my still number one target. is like, can you go and get Eric Gordon and replace Malik Beasley's inconsistent play with one of the best shooters in the league right now who does other things offensively, who probably wins you four or five more games just by having him off your bench? Like, can, can you get something... Can you turn Torian Prince's spotty minutes into a guy who gives you 15 quality minutes a night and gives you one or two extra wins. Like, I think if he just sits on his hands, which, like, let it be known, I don't think he's a terrible idea, but I just think when you're auditioning for two guys who want to be the best owners to ever own fucking anything ever, like, you need to do something. I mean, this is... 
we we're dimming the lights. This has gone from like the super bright positive <laughs> first segment to like I don't think any of this is bad, by the way. No, um, but I think I it's just, realistic. Like, but for, I think it's these next six weeks, or not even six weeks, these next like three weeks are going to be really interesting because, it, I mean, I don't even, my brain is just like having an orgasm here of sports thoughts. Like, I don't even know what direction to go, but like, yeah, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez would love Ben Simmons because right. they would love to be the guys that came in, bought a team within nine months, traded for a superstar or an all, a former all-star. Yeah, and, right? made the f- and ended up the fourth seed in their first season for a team that's been crap forever. And and I know more about Laurie's thinking than I might do A-Rod, but like, yeah, Laurie's like, that guy has never, like like any owner, right? Like any billionaire, those guys like aren't really used to people saying no. Yeah. So like, Mark Laurie's like, dude, if I could buy a team, this is the best team in like what the last you know the most sustainable good team in like the last 15 20 years mark lawyer's like shit i've only been here for like six months like well why don't we just go get an all-star and then just win the finals you know what i mean like and a gm can say no to that or no to just like you know attempting to to do something crazy if they have a steady job yes sashin gupta is like staring at a fire and he turns around and there's an even bigger fucking inferno behind him like and his only option is to kind of like, you know, put out one of them fires. I, I don't think he can just sit on his hands because I don't think Laurie will accept it. Will accept it, or maybe Gupta is <laughs> that good of a guy that he'll just sit on his hands at the risk that maybe it gets him fired, but it puts the team in a better position. I will say that I've got to talk to him a couple times, like when he was out in Portland. Um, I. Th- think highly enough of Sasha and Gupta that I don't think he's going to make any move regardless of how big or small to save his job yeah I think that, he's that's just a, that's I think just a he's tough spot to be in for him oh 100% I just think that he literally his demeanor his ability to just listen while others talk like I just think that he is I think professional sports and I think everything, I think the job I work in, I think the job you work in, all this shit, there's a lot of really bad people and a lot of people who only give a damn about their ends and like, you know, like their, them climbing the ladder. I think Sasha Gupta is like a weirdo in the sense that that's not him. Like, I think he, I don't think he would burn the Timberwolves franchise down a la like a Tom Thibodeau just to save his job. With that said, if <laughs> the, if all he does between now and February 10th is to trade for one of the 14 Plumley brothers, yeah, you know, it's like that's at the end of the season when you do probably get bounced in the first round and then we look back and exit interviews. It's like, well, Sasha, all you did was bring back, you know, the seventh Plumley brothers. Like, well, shit, that's, that's what makes this all so insane. It's like I don't really have a firm – other, you know, other than like I'm with you on like the Prince thing. Like I was a huge Prince guy. I got to talk to him at media day. He seems like the type of guy – that you want in the locker room. And I think the players really respect him because I just think sometimes you can just like leaders have an aura about them. And he's a very quiet, but powerful leader in that locker room. Um, But his salary is so perfect (laughs) that he's probably the guy you got to flip, right? Like, can I trade out this expiring contract or this guy that great? Cause he's on expiring this year, right? Yeah. 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 And can I tag, don't the wolves have, three second round picks like can i put two second round picks and torian prince and just go get something that 
is more consistent because that's the one thing is like is forget everything we've said for the last 55 minutes they have to do something because that bench is abysmal and i know they just kicked the warriors ass and that was really fun and i'm a huge jalen noel guy like but you I can't would, rely I'm, on a 22 year old who's you know, just got his chance to be a consistent role player, you know, consistent minute-wise, to prop up this bench forever and then maybe even in playoff games. Like, that's, like, you need to go and get him and to prop up a bench that's bad around him. Like, he didn't prop up a bench that has a really good shooter on it or another really good big man or whatever you can get for, you know, to fill that Prince role. But, like, asking him to prop up a shit bench is a lot to throw on him. It's not fair to rely on Jalen to that level. And yet he's still in my mind, and this includes my literal son, Jaden McDowell. He's still the most reliable player on that bench. You know what I mean? So it's like probably like the fourth, maybe fifth most important player on the team at this point, because if he doesn't play well, they can't win. And like, and again, him to do something every night. I still think the law, I still think Jaden McDaniels as a stock is a long-term like buy. Not even a hold like a buy. Like just, I want more Jaden stock. I still see it with him. Um, we love a guy like Nas Reed. You know, like Malik turned it on against the Warriors. But I just think that bench is abysmal. <laughs> and it, as cool as it was that they spanked, you know, the Warriors kind of second unit guys um, and brought home the win, which was, you know, another one of those, those another one of those examples of players learning from mistakes, right? Because after the Memphis game, where the bench literally lost them the game. There was really no other reason other than the bench lost them a very good game that their big three played well. That was probably the most direct Chris Finch has ever been post game when he just flat out said the bench like lost us that game. Yeah, and it's not the and, first time. It's the first time maybe to that extreme, but like it's not the first time where where they've had really nice nights from two or three of the big three, and they've just got you know nothing really outside of that. Like. The Golden State game is the exception, not the rule, I think. And that yeah. means you need to find a way to make, you know, that kind of night a rule and not just a one in every 30 games exception. And and I'm really big from like, I don't know, probably all the nerdy management stuff I've studied, but like I'm really big on like hierarchy. So the Eric Gordon thing you brought up is beautiful. Um, there's 14 other guys that we'll probably talk about or hear names floated around, but like, if you could find that guy who's a consistent guy, right, that you can plug in as your quote-unquote six man or whatever, everyone else just falls an expectation peg below. Yeah. And it makes everyone's life so much easier. So it's like Jalen Noel, who is good and we like, is on like a non-guaranteed contract and was a second-round pick. If he is the savior in the 3-6 matchup in the playoffs, we're probably fucked. <laughs> yeah. So – if it's Eric Gordon and you know you're going to get whatever from him, then it's like, okay, then Jalen comes in second. And if anything, Jalen give us his gravy. And then, oh, Jaden had a big game? Well, shit, now we got a whole key lime pie. Like everything yeah. just kind of figures itself out. So so would you give up a fir- one first-round pick for that guy? Maybe it's not Eric Gordon. Like maybe it's, I don't know, Buddy Heald or like a, a player who's clearly better than what Minnesota have right now is going to cost you a first-round pick. Like, to make any of these deals that we want to make, you're not getting any of these guys with Tory and Prince in two seconds. That's just how it works. So, like, if you want to actually upgrade, 
any of these, and normally these guys that are coming from teams that are playing badly or that are tanking. Eric Gordon's the perfect example. Like, I don't even know how he has survived four different fire sales in that Houston organization. But, like, they are not giving him away without getting a first-round pick back because someone will pay it. Whether it's the Timberwolves or a contender, like, someone will give them a first-round pick. Maybe it's not this year's, maybe it's two years away. Like, they want picks, and they will hold on to him until they get it. And, like, personally, and I think you're going to disagree with me, personally, I give up a first-round pick for that caliber of player because you can't keep stockpiling picks if you also expect to be a fifth seed next season. Like, one of those, those paths cannot... Like, you, you don't need to give up three of them or two to get Miles Turner. I agree with you there. But, like, you have to give up one if you want a player who's going to give you, say, two or three seasons of, like, consistent floor-raising play. Yeah. I, I'm hesitant. You're right, right? Like, you can't talk about any of these guys and just dangle Jake Lehman and then, like, a foot-long sandwich. Like, you can't. I get that. Um, the I Eric Gordon the foot-long thing, sandwich would actually be more appealing. Dude, that's, stop. I think, like, <laughs> at least Eric Gordon has a couple years left on this deal, right? Like, I think the thing you can't do is the Wolves are not you can't in a get position. A rental. You can't get a rental. You can't get a rental. It, ha- no. it can't be anyone that's, like, on an expiring no. Um, unless you can find some oddity where it's like Prince is expiring for a guy who's just a more consistent expiring, but no, you're right. Um, it, it all comes down, I guess, to those protections, right? Like, I think I'm still so scarred. Like what? Because as you said too, there's so many things, not just with the Timberwolves, but like, I mean, like the Atlanta Hawks aren't in the playoffs right now, right? Or like the Boston Celt, like them and the Knicks, like those teams fluctuate on the 10 seat every time where it's like, Two of those teams are in the lottery. Um, They're the teams. One of it's one of those teams, and the Wolves are probably in that category. Like one of those teams are going to give up a first round pitch to get one of these guys because someone is desperate to get better than they are. And I think I, the Wolves are in that same category. I'm just not sure whether they will be the one to do it. As as many Timberwolves seasons as we've watched, and as I think we've probably literally covered like a thousand losses. Um, the single worst thing i've experienced as a timberwolves fan was not even like it's truly not like the steph curry thing because i am naive or i'm drunk enough that i just always think that steph curry would have not become steph curry in minnesota because kurt rambis would have neutered him like the worst thing i've ever experienced was having a top three protected first round pick hang over the head of a really bad franchise and just every time you lose being like shit are we going to give up the fourth pick? You know what I mean? Like a really loaded draft. So, yes, you're right. Like you can't get Eric Gordon unless it's a it's good a vote. Or- it's a vote of confidence. If you're like in my position and you're saying do it, I think it's a vote of confidence that you think the team is like legit as in like, you know, 500 or sixth seed or fifth seed. Like it's a vote of confidence that that is what this team's going to be. Because if you have any reservations that this team might end up, like the bottom might fall out of it then there's no way you can even think about giving up a first-round pick because that's when you end up with that pick hanging over your head, like you said. This is the worst segment of any podcast I've ever done because, honestly, like, I think about <laughs> this... We never disagree, so... I, I, no, I think about this to such an unhealthy level where I'm just like... Again, I just... I think even the best teams, right? Like, I, I know the Warriors are just a completely different situation, but, like, I think they're going to maybe win a playoff series because of Kaminga. 
know what I mean? Like, I think they're going to... Or at least so, a game or, you know, two I just games think or something. That, I just think that the good teams can find ways to just incorporate that youth, you know? So, but but I'm also talking out of both sides of my ass. It's like, on the same side, it's like, if they, if they just keep as pat, like, stand pat and just keep this roster, which I also think that there's a simulation in life where that's not the worst thing. No, I agree. I agree Where you, as, and again, man, I'm not trying to like throw water on expectations. I'm the six seed guy, but like, if you just maybe think that the bottom that we've talked about now is not made of steel, that it's made of like wood, you know, that it could fall out if Carl missed seven games due to an injury or something like, Mm -hmm. then maybe you just see what you got. And that's um, when it feels like, like, that's when the Wolves franchise curse, like, is just inherently in your bloodstream, where it's like, if we give up a first round pick, I will spend the rest of the season <laughs> thinking, thinking that Carl Anthony Towns is going to miss 30 games, because but, that's what fucking happens to the Wolves. But you know what I mean, though? Like, I think you've convinced me. So if anyone listening, like, I think... I'll text. I'll text Sasha. Like I think we're ready to give up a pick. It's just got to be. It's got to be protected. But you do see a lot of times. Like I think the Chicago Bulls were a great example of this. Um, to an extent, I think you can. Or you know, Tibbs did this his first year when he when he was running the sh- the uh, the show. You could you could take the the vibes right. That's like the famous word for this season is good vibes. Like and just see how far the vibes take you. Yeah. And not maybe it's you know, an off season thing. Yeah, like exactly. Maybe it's no. like, all right, we won, we won forty five games from this point. Like this team might just be all right how it is, or you know, we won thirty nine games when we were, or thirty seven games when we were on track to win. Like we thought we'd win a few more than that. We definitely need an upgrade. Like maybe you just shake the rug for a little bit longer and see how much dust falls off it. And to circle back the entire podcast back to the poker analogy and to Sashin. That's why, like, I'm a huge fan of his, and I don't, I don't know if he's gonna be here the next summer. Yeah, I think the Marquise Watts hiring is something you put a pin in, and we'll talk about it this summer. But I think that guy was brought in here to do more than make sure that all the players' families are happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sashin is in a tough spot, but I also think too that like. Yeah, of course the Indiana Pacers want two first-round picks and a young player for Miles Turner. It's January 17th. Everyone wants two first-round picks for fucking everything. Right? But, like, this is where Sashin is good, but also needs to prove... I mean, the dude created the trade machine. Like, what? what is... what is If Miles Turner is likely still probably on the Pacers come February 7th, can you make it one pick? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. can you get it for one pseudo top eight protected you know what i mean like and also the opposite, the opposite to that is if sachin gupta makes a trade and it goes horribly awry then like he can done. pack his bags before in march you know like that's the risk that there is with making the splash that that splash might blind you i i just i think you know the, the, the poker thing i think they have to raise right i think they, I think have, they to- have to raise too i don't want them to go all in i just want them to raise Right, I think, and I think there's still an argument to just call, and like stay in the game. Yeah, don't fold. Che- They're not going to fold. But I like, think, I think check or call. I think we might be using those like in the same vein. But like, 
you know, if Chris Finch is as wizardry as I think he is, there's still as much as we've like consumed Timberwolves basketball, there's still a half a season left. Anything right? can happen in half a season. Like, like it could all get so much better or so much worse. Like in three weeks, in three in in one week, I guarantee we have a bunch of different feelings about everything because that's just how well, the regular season works. Well, yeah, I mean, keep it really simple of like, when did Anthony Edwards come on? After the after the All-Star break, right? Yeah. Like he was a completely different, not even shade of a color. He was a completely different color. He went from yeah. purple to green, like in, in that flip. Um, so, and again, you're talking to someone who literally takes the trade deadline off of work every year. So it's not like I don't love that shit, but I think we're just consumed, and I am guilty of this too, and I know you are as well, like, of the transactional notifications of just like, we flipped, mm-hmm. we flipped our prints for Brooklyn's prints, and now we got this new fucking prince, and it's awesome. But maybe Torian Prince just figures it out on the All-Star break, and yeah. he's, he's the guy I, I need, right? He's been through playoff battles, he's done it before, he's a veteran, so... Um, I actually yeah, think I, he's I, been playing pretty well lately, just quietly. I'm like, a huge he's fan been of getting his, just... these weird, these weird third quarter rotation minutes. For like four straight games, he doesn't play until the third quarter, and then it's... he gives and then he gives him like seven minutes of I don't... solidness, and then that's it. I don't understand the game enough to know to figure. Like, I think he should just play for 15 minutes for 10 days. Yeah, and just I... like just. Keep him in there for two seven minute stints in in the like. I just think he's a veteran. His shot comes and goes, but I mean, bro, who is doesn't on this team? Um, Most of I, them are just going all the time. There's no and, and, and again, too, you're, you'll see. I mean, at Canis, I'm sure, you'll, and Dane will drop a lot of nuggets, and you'll just hear a lot of different names be associated with the Timberwolves. And I think, and I'm probably more guilty than anyone. You just get so amped about that new guy that is probably way greener than the grass that we've got on our bench. But um, whether, again, whether it be internal, I mean, even just adding Jalen Noel back to the bench, as much as I'm like, he can't be the only guy, having him back for the Warriors completely changed things. Yeah. Um, Because if he was in Memphis and not had, I thought he broke his face, by the way, against the Pelicans. I thought he was like (laughs) dead. Um, Having him in Memphis, they'd probably just win that game. I really think that that one guy changes the script on that. So, whether it be internally just figuring it out and Chris Finch has a powwow weekend with him and Torian Prince up in the mountains over All-Star break, or they trade Torian Prince, or they trade a Kogi, um, or they even trade Malik Beasley. Like, there's just, they got to do one thing to take this from a, literally from like a seven to an eight so that they can make it from a seven to like a six seed. Because I think yeah. the six seed is very much there. Um, and like you said too, all these ifs, ands, what's, whatever. Like if Sasha Gupta puts the Timberwolves in the sixth seed, think about where we were when the Rosas firing happened. Yeah, like I'm, wor- of- I'm worried that he'll do it. He'll he'll. I'm worried about two things. I'm worried that a he'll, like you said, I think he's a really smart guy and a really practical guy, and that's why I think we both like him. And and you know we have little evidence to know how good of an actual you know, president of basketball operations he actually is, but we both want him to succeed. My issue, my worry is that the pressure will get to him and he'll make a bad trade for the sake of trying to make a splash, or that he'll do nothing or he'll do something little 
and the Timberwolves will get the sixth seed and he'll get fired anyway because Mark Laurie already wants someone else. Yeah, and I think, though, that that guy, you, what you just said is you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. I think uh, that guy's smart enough to probably know it. Yeah. And I think the type of person he is, and this is just me just on going on a limb for a guy that yeah, I know I, a little no, bit. Like, nothing that I've said has any inside I knowledge. He, I'm just kind of winging it. I think he is a – I just don't think he would do that. Um, and maybe he'll prove me wrong. Like maybe he'll just will wake up one day and Doogie will have let us all know that they traded two first-round picks and Jaden McDaniels for someone. But um, I just I, – I trust that he's going to make a move but not necessarily just completely burn – down the future um but yeah i mean it's gonna be that dude that's again they're 500 they have three really fun games coming up right i mean they just we just had the wiggins revenge tour which by the way that (laughs) fizzled out i'm not like i'm not gonna get canceled (laughs) by saying something that i I regret um but now we go right into a reunion game against tibbs and then the hawks game and then the nets like and then we have the trade deadline coming up in i think like 23 days so and Feb- um, and february the start of feb is really don't even get me started on that really about the nice schedule? yeah really nice schedule yeah i think it's like detroit Denver, twice pistons yeah. twice kings twice there's a pacers game in there like even the yeah. hornets like i think they host the hornets like there's a lot of winnable games so that's the stretch where it's like win seven of ten games while denver you know i don't know what their schedule is but while denver win three of ten or four yeah. of ten and that's where you get the sixth seed. Then you've got to like hold on for dear life, which you might not. But like that's the stretch that I'm kind of looking at. Like if they do what they did to that that OKC Houston Clippers stretch, where they just kind of get in a rhythm against bad teams, um, that's going to be exciting. I think, or it's going to be really depressing if they lose. I don't know. Do they? They're 21 and 22. They're the ninth seed now. Because as we're as we're recording this, the Lakers beat the Jazz. By the way, Westbrook had a ferocious dunk. The Lakers dunk. did not beat the Jazz, did they? Yeah, one hundred one ninety five. But I when, feel everyone like that waits. keeps happening. That every time the Wolves need, like today, they needed just the Clippers and the Lakers to lose games that they probably should have lost, and they both won. If if you're listening to this, whenever this goes live, and you haven't seen the Westbrook dunk on Gobert, go check that oh, out. Yeah, but I did see that before we started. My point is, they're twenty one and twenty two, which is 43, which means they have like 39 games left. What? Let's close it with this. What is their record at the end of the season? I'm going to say that they, like I said, I don't know if I just have like pessimism kind of like ingrained in me, but I'm going to go 40 and 42, which is about what they are now doubled. I was going to say, oh, I hate that. I, it was way more fun earlier when I was having a midlife crisis when we disagreed on first round picks. <laughs> but yeah, so if my, don't correct my math. Which won't be the sixth seed, by the way. I don't, if they, they need to be over 500 to be the sixth seed because the Lakers will figure something out eventually. LeBron will win them five straight games towards the end of the season. Like that'll just happen. So say that record one more time. I'm going to say 40 and 42. Okay. So that would mean there's 39 games left. Starting with the Knicks, that would mean they would have to go nineteen and twenty, which is five hundred, which is the whole theme of this fucking podcast. That's I just um, believe that that's what they are, unless and I, they. And I'm just I'm basing it on the non hypothetical that they upgrade in some way. Yeah. I'm just kind of 
assuming the status quo continues, which if the status quo changes, my prediction will change. But like this roster, I think they just do what they have done all season, which is just a little bit under 500. I'll say I'll say they go 20 and 19. So that's 41 and 41. And that in my mind, and don't get me started on the rabbit hole that I got down the other day, but I think 41 and 41 would secure this season, the seven seed. Like, I think, I think it would guarantee them a home playing game, um, which would be fun. And, you know, then it's like the seven, seven plays eight. And then, you know, if eight, whoever loses the host. I might need to take a quick, like two day trip to Minnesota if they have a home playing game. Right. So I, I think, I think, like I said, I think there's still a lot of wins in front of them. And especially if, if you're ever down, like, I'll, you know, I had a bad meeting at work the other day. I was like, oh, you know what? I got to go look at the first seven games of February of the Timberwolves schedule. It'll cheer me up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I think they will raise, like I said, back to the poker analogy, I think they will raise and I think they'll hit that 40 win mark. Um, and then again, too, this would be like my closing statement. Like, there's going to be like that, that would be. If I told you in September that the Timberwolves were going to win 40 games and they didn't yeah, have a president. We would take it in a flash. Like, right? Like, the, we would, like, we, 40 games, that's, like, kind of a small barometer in the NBA. It's like, can you win 40? And then 50 is, like, when you're in the contention. Like, those are contenders. You win 50 games, you're a contender. Um, a bunch of shit could go bad then for them, right? And I just think, like, that's the same for all these other teams. You know, is does Michael Porter Jr. retire this summer because it's back so bad for the Nuggets. You know what I mean? Like, do the Blazers trade Damian Lillard? What happens with the Clippers? What happens with the Jazz? Has Rudy Gobert, like, killed one of his teammates? Like, there's just so many things that could then domino this all again. So, I think 41 and 41. I think they host at least one playoff game. Um, and then we'll just do a podcast where we just cry for, like, an hour. <laughs> just like you and I, just, like, crying and, like, virtually hugging. So... Yeah, no, it's, it's been good. Good time so far. Perfect way to end a podcast that we'll just we'll just ride this out until the time comes where we inevitably cry, like we do every other season. Imagine maybe this like, one hey, lasts a little bit longer. Like maybe we just get two extra weeks before we cry, and that's imagine all a fifty-five we minute for. podcast that has like I don't know some like hormone enhancer like advertisement in the middle, and it's just you and I crying for fifty-five minutes. But like, can you believe we made forty-one wins? So no, it's been good. Um. Again, too, I I don't know if we said this on the pod or we said it before, but like shout out to you because you fixed Malik Beasley with just a phenomenal article the other day about why he's still important. And then he had the Warriors game was his best game of the season, right? Like that was. Uh, I feel like he had like a 30 point game in a win. Oh, maybe when he was a starter. Nah, he had a 30. He had a game that I reckon he scored like 27 off the bench. It was, I don't This season blends together real quick. Well, at 41 games, it all just feels like a fucking fever dream to me. Like, I well, don't know anymore. I, we promised people we'd hang up, but, like, on the same token, if he was just old Malik, you don't have to give up any... For, like, that would be an asset that you're acquiring me, at the deadline. You know what I mean? Like, if Malik Beasley just is good all of a sudden, you don't have to pay anything extra to upgrade your bench. So, it's going to be fun. I don't even want to talk about Malik Beasley just being normal because that keeps <laughs> that keeps me up at night <laughs> i i want to i might have to i might have to send some instagram models to malik's house or something like i just we gotta like i need i need raunchy nba star malik beasley back so that we can just have the good times but no raunchy what a fucking funny word <laughs> 21 and 22 uh big games coming up i appreciate you having me on 
Yeah, I, no, I appreciate I'm... you coming, man. And and I thought that that was kind of a cathartic session where we, you know, we went high. There was peaks and valleys, everything in that conversation, I think. But it kind of is a nice uh, baseline to kind of bounce off into the second season from. Yeah, we'll do one. I'm sure we'll do one before the trade deadline or right after when they acquire yeah. some superstars. So. All right. Well, um, thank you for listening. Obviously, you can check out Kyle at Kane Supers or follow him on Twitter at Kyle Tidy. Twitter mastermind like breaks the internet at least once a week, at least once throughout every Timberwolves game. He's known for. I mean, there was a really nice bit of shade towards Andrew Wiggins the other day, but we'll leave that what at where it is. Um, you can check my stuff out at Jake Painting on Twitter housandgrouse.substack.com for all the writing and all that stuff. Subscribe, rate, review, like the podcast. Do all that good stuff, and I will see you guys next time.